Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Lou sent me a note about the situation in Oregon, and this is troubling, but, um, you know, national embarrassment. Judge sets 10-day deadline to release people held in jail without lawyers. Uh, so Noel Crombie wrote this for The Oregonian. And as you know, if you've ever watched any cop shows on TV, like, I don't know, Columbo, uh, you know that when you get arrested, among other things, they tell you that you have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You will get an attorney. So the question then becomes, what if you're sitting in jail waiting for that to happen, and it doesn't happen for some time? And so, as many people will point out, uh, you might be entitled to something, but if you don't get it, then that's no different than not being entitled to it. I mean, in terms of the net outcome to you, right? And so some people who are in jail, riding out their time, waiting for an attorney to be appointed, somebody stepped up to represent them, which ironically would have been an attorney, and said, hey, there's all these people in jail waiting to have an attorney appointed for them. It's got to be so bad that people now, if you get arrested in Oregon and can't afford an attorney, you will rot in jail for a while before they appoint an attorney for you because there's an attorney shortage. And, and it's not that they don't have enough attorneys there. It's the system is failing people because you need to make it worthwhile for attorneys to handle these cases. So federal judge ordered the Washington County Sheriff to release criminal defendants from jail if they've been held for 10 days without a lawyer. So a judge is even saying, I'll give you guys 10 days to find a lawyer, but after 10 days, you got to let them go. So this is injecting new urgency into Oregon's complicated and long-running public defense crisis. As of this week, more than 2,500 defendants across the state are stranded without lawyers, many of them sitting in jail. That number includes 164 who are in jail without lawyers, according to the Oregon Judicial Department. Now, there are other stories that led to this, one of which is that it was five people accused of crimes who filed the claim in federal court asking for their cases to be dismissed because none of them have been appointed lawyers. And interestingly, the lawsuits filed in federal court. I believe many of these people are facing state court charges. But it's federal court where you bring a habeas corpus action. And habeas corpus action is where you petition a federal court and say, I'm being jailed by the state authorities wrongly. They're holding me for some illegal purpose or, or there's something illegal about my detention. So no one's going to question that they've got the right to arrest people accused of crimes. But they can't just arrest you, throw you in jail and say, we'll get to you when we get to you and we'll get you an attorney. Later on, when we get you an attorney. So the petitions in this case cited the long-simmering public defense crisis that so far has left 2,000 people, now 2,500, charged with crimes but without lawyers, including, at the time of this other article, 310 in jail awaiting trial, according to the latest data. So the numbers fluctuating all over the place. And part of the problem is that Oregon does not have the money to pay the lawyers enough to retain them. And so you can't get lawyers to work for free. Now, you could create a department that has a bunch of lawyers in it and assign them these jobs, but you have to pay them enough to want to join that department as their employer. 
And so another article that was written, again, this one was by uh, Amy Green, again at the Oregonian, says that a decade after graduating their top for class at Lewis and Clark Law School and starting a career as a public defender in Hillsborough, uh, one woman is overcome with financial worry because she hasn't been able to pay down any of the principal from her law school loans. Those have now swelled with interest to $240,000. She and her husband haven't put any money into a college savings account for their elementary school-aged daughter. She says her retirement account is so insignificant that it would only cover a few months of living expenses in her golden years. Now, she's got a lot of time between now and then, presumably, to raise that money and put something aside, but it's hard to do this if you're not being paid well. Now, I mentioned before that I've done a whole bunch of stuff in my career. And early on in my career, I'd been an attorney for about three years, and I went solo. I was working by myself for myself. Just put the shingle out and see who knocks on the door. And a very dear friend of mine who has since passed away named Bruce came by my office one day and said, Steve, how's it going? I said, pretty good. And he goes, you busy? I said, well, you know, I could, I could be busier. I'm not going to tell the guy I'm starving, you know. <laughs> well, I wasn't starving, but I, I could use more work. And he said, well, are you, are you looking for anything in particular, or will you literally take whatever walks in the door? And I said, at this point, Bruce, I'd, I'd consider pretty much anything. Why? And he goes, well, a friend of mine is in charge of hiring the public defenders at this local courthouse that literally at the time was three miles down the road from my office. And he said, so I can vouch for you and say, I know Steve Leto, he's a good guy, and he's a good attorney, and I've known him for a few years, and at that time he had. And um, they'll put you on the list, and they'll hire you as a public defender. From time to time, you'll just get a note saying, hey, here's your new client. You represent this person. Meet with them, handle their case, and then you turn in uh, a thing at the end, and you get paid. And I said, okay, that sounds interesting. I'll do that. And he did that, and sure enough, I started getting court appointments. And so I became a court-appointed attorney. So out there are some people who, if they can think back that far, will say, yeah, back in 1994, 1995, uh, Steve Leto represented me. Well, what's he doing now? Oh, oh, he does lemon law. <laughs> okay. And at that time, I did lemon law also. But I just didn't have enough cases to keep me busy. And so I became a court-appointed attorney. So I would get this big, fat envelope from the court. It would contain a file. And uh, I would call the person and say, hi, I've been appointed by the court to represent you. Uh, can you come by my office so we can talk about your case and you know, see what we can do here? And then uh, I try to work something out with the prosecutor. If not, case go to trial. But I wasn't paid a lot of money, but I was paid enough money to make it worth my while. And one of the oddities of it is that it varies, again, wildly from state to state. But in Michigan, it was generally in most court systems. It's up to the court itself as to how they handle court-appointed attorneys. So you might have a situation in one county where they're handled a certain way, or you might even have it where one district court handles it this way, one district court handles it that way, and they simply work it into their budget and set aside money for this. And so I can tell you that if you're ever bored and you're sitting in 36th District Court, which is Detroit, as you're sitting there, by the way, you will be bored uh, because you'll be sitting there waiting for a judge to come out and get on the bench, uh, most likely. And when they do come out, uh, things will happen slower than you would think they could happen. But if you read the signs in the walls, one of the signs literally says, uh, if you are appointed a court-appointed attorney and you get found guilty, part of the charge against you and part of the penalty is going to be you paying back for the court-appointed attorney as a court cost. And they're doing that because the budget that the county has and the court has and the, and the city of Detroit has um, doesn't allow for them 
to just pay for the court-appointed attorneys and take it out of their budget. Now, I'm not sure how much of that money they recoup. I have no idea. I also don't know how big their budget is. But the budgeting of this is always a concern. So apparently what's happening in Oregon is that it appears that none of the courts have enough money to have enough court-appointed attorneys to handle all of the people who need them. And so what happens is you get arrested, you sit in jail for 10, 15, maybe more days, and they don't let you out on bail. Uh, and they also say, don't worry, we'll get you a court-appointed attorney. Well, I assure you that some of these people are in jail long enough to where whatever they're accused of is probably going to get them less jail time than the time they sat in jail, cooling their heels, as they say. And it's going to be, oh, guess what? Plead guilty, get time served. And now that's an interesting result, and there are some people who will take that. But there are other people who are going to say, "Um, I wanted to fight this because I didn't do it. And remember, you're presumed innocent. So I know some people are going to criticize the quality of the court-appointed attorneys. And, of course, that depends wildly, again, from place to place. And uh, I remember reading an article, I think it was in NPR, about an attorney down south who was, I believe, a court-appointed attorney. And um, look the guy up. I I don't know his name, but all you got to do is look up lawyer and tattoo and uh, court-appointed. And I think you'll find the guy. And the guy takes his cases so seriously that if he loses the case that he took for a court-appointed defendant, he has the person's name tattooed on his back. And, and that's his whole thing is, I, I take this so seriously that if I lose your case, I'm going to tattoo your name on my back as a reminder that I lost this case. And so I've seen some court-appointed attorneys do very, very good work, but I've also seen some who are simply overworked and underpaid. And I've also talked to people who said, Steve, um, you talked about court-appointed attorneys, and where I am, uh, I, I had a case that I thought, well, you know, I can't afford an attorney. And they said, they'll appoint me once. I said, I'll take the court-appointed attorney. So I, I, I got notified to be in court one particular day. And they said, here's your attorney's name. And I called a bunch of times, never got through to anybody. So I showed up in court, and I'm sitting there, and I realized there's the prosecutor's table over there and the defense table over there. There's just one person sitting there with a mountain of files. What are the odds my files among that mountain? So I walked over and said, hi, my name is so-and-so. And they said, oh, yeah, glad you're here. Hang on. They dug through, dug through, dug through. Oh, pulled a file out. Is this you? Yes, that's me. They opened it up, obviously, for the first time. And said, you are charged with this. Would you plead to this? Would you like to hear if I did it or not? And so that does happen a lot. And again, I'm going to apologize on behalf of lawyers everywhere for the fact that that does happen. But it's not really that lawyer's fault. Because if you look at the mountain of files they got, it would take them a month to go through all of them and figure them all out. But the problem is that's today's pile. Tomorrow is another pile. And so that is a problem with the system itself. And so if you go back to the earliest days when they decided to say, yes, you are entitled to a lawyer. And, by the way, it's a case called Gideon versus Wainwright. And we're going to let you know that when you get arrested. It's going to be among the Miranda warning. Various things said in the Miranda warning, it's going to be in there. Okay? So everyone sees the person being told this. They're stuck in the back of the car. And then the credits roll. (laughs) Most everything we learn about the law, we learn from TV. And so people go, oh, okay. 
they assume the next chapter is a person sitting down with their lawyer talking about their case. And it turns out in Oregon that is certainly not true, and it's not true in a lot of other places either. So it's unfortunate, but a judge, a federal judge, has called it a national embarrassment and has told the state, if you hold somebody without a lawyer for 10 days, you got to let them out. Now, you can still charge them, you can still try them, but you can't hold them indefinitely until you get around to finding a lawyer for them. That's not how this works. So, Lou, thanks for sending it. That's a great series of articles. Noelle Crombie and Amy Green wrote those for the Oregonian. We'll see what happens because they've got to fix their system. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords.